Good morning, church. It is a good morning. (laughs) No matter where you find yourself on the spectrum of life, the fact that you rose out of your bed and uh, you know you have the your all your faculties in place, and you're able to give the Lord praise, honor, and glory. That's a beautiful thing. Amen. Um, Yeah, hearing that song, it, it it it. resonates and it brings to life the reality that every part of our being, every part of who we are, the core inner person who we are, that we we want to give the Lord over everything, everything, uh, that we would be a, a blank canvas for Him to paint whatever He wants and that His desire, His will be done. Um, I have a quick thing I want to share uh, it definitely uh, is for the encouragement of the church, and uh, it does fall in line with our message this morning. But, uh, you know, I, I've been praying, Lord, give me vision. <laughs> give me direction, Lord, not just for, you know, uh, the church, but just my personal walk with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I want to sense your presence more in my life. I don't want to just know Bible verses. They're important. The Word of God is living and active and, and using the Word and having the Word in your heart because you're not always going to be able to go to your smartphone. You're not always going to be able to go to, to your, you know, your, your, your big book Bible and be able to pull stuff out. So, so the Word of God has its place. Don't get me wrong in what I say, but what I'm coming to understand that It's the Word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that. We need the revelation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We we should want to know the Lord more and more, not just on a superficial informational level, but experiencing Him. And so as I share this, I'm at work. I can't remember what day it was this week, but... We have a big area where there's a bunch of kind of boulders and rocks and um, there's a, there was weeds that were growing out of the, the rocks and around the rocks. And some of it looked like flowers, but they weren't flowers. They're, they're like Darnell. They're deceiving. They're, they're weeds. And so anyways, my supervisor was like, I want you to take these three clients in the afternoon and from one to two, I want you to supervise while they pick the weeds. We're going to pick the weeds and then we're going to get all the debris and we're going to put it over here in this compost. Okay. So that was our job. We got a, we, uh, you know, we got a, um, <clears throat> something to put all the weeds in and as they were working. So there's one young man. So, uh, starts off, he's like 22 years old. And then there's someone else and probably in his, you know, late twenties, early thirties. And then there's another gentleman who's older. He's like in his late 50s. And as they're working, they're all working, doing kind of in their own areas. The older gentleman is kind of off, you know, onto the side and he's picking weeds and he's doing his thing. And then the young guy, he's a big guy and he moves fast and he's just knocking out all kind of weeds. He's just yanking them, pulling them out. I mean, he's shaking off the roots and dirt's going everywhere. And I'm having to tell him, hey, man, you don't got to do all that. Just put them in the thing. And then the other gentleman, he's, uh, you know, he's working, working very meticulously. He's, he's kind of crouched down and he's like, finally, like he had like tweezers picking out weeds, you know, one by one. And as I'm watching these men pick these weeds 
the Holy Spirit just showed me that that's the church. This is the church. Some are big and fast and strong and they knock out all kind of weeds in that manner. And others are older and not moving so fast, but they're doing the Lord's work and they're pulling weeds. And then there's others that are working very meticulously and it almost seems like nothing's happening. But little by little, they're pulling weeds out. And when I saw the culmination of these three men, by the end of that hour, a good portion of those weeds were gone. And so the Lord showed me that, that that's what the church is. Whether it's a small congregation, whether it's a big congregation, if you're living for Jesus Christ, we are the body. And as those clients were the body in that physical sense, pulling those weeds, so we are the body of Jesus Christ. And we must never forget that, that we take our orders from the Lord. But you see, this is the thing. You're significant in the Lord's eyes. You're significant to the point where he foreknew that you were going to respond to the conviction that he placed upon your heart because of your own sin. You see, the Bible says that the cross is a stumbling block to the Jew, but it's also foolishness to the Greek. And the Lord is going to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, that he's going to speak through the revelation of the cross in order to save mankind. And so when you look at your own life, don't ever think you're insignificant. Don't ever come into agreement with Satan and believe the accusations that he's hurling at you. The Bible says he is a roaring lion going back and forth around the earth seeking whoever he may devour. And in your weakest point, best believe he's coming for you. He's waiting for you to slip up. I know you can't lose your salvation, but what I'm talking about is discouragement. Not, it's, this is not me. This is my inner man witnessing the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is revealing to me that there's people in here that are going through despair. And you may even be doubting. Hold on. Trust in the Lord. Know that every little thing that you do, that he does through you, has its purpose. And that his finished work is going to be completed in you. You have to trust in that. You cannot, we cannot look at what we're going through in this instant right now and try to figure out what this all means. Many times the things we walk through in life, you and I aren't going to figure it out until later on down the road when we look back And we see, oh, wow, that's what you are doing, Lord. It seems so, I am in such despair. I am in such a hard place right now. But remember, he walks with you, church. Amen? So I just pray that that's an encouragement to you wherever you're at. That's definitely a a, a word that the Lord put on my heart uh, for you, church, this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning... We're going to be in James chapter 2. It's a lot more encouragement where that came from. A lot more challenges. A lot more conviction. But again, God is so good. And so I just pray that as we go forth in his word this morning, just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Open yourself up to him. Hold nothing back. You see, that's, that's what he loves. He loves when his children are just brutally honest. You know, I don't want to go get off topic, but, you know, uh, Abraham, 
When, when, you know, when he's negotiating about the cities, the wicked cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, God's like, I, I love that. <laughs> I love the fact that you, you, you want to, you want to intercede for these people so that my judgment won't come. You see, church, we are living in a time and a day where it is only because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us that his wrath and his judgment has not already come upon this world. Uh, rapture's coming soon. <laughs> either going to pass away and be with him, or we're going to be like Enoch and we're going to be caught up and he's going to snatch us out of here and all your clothes and all your jewelry and all your nice things are all just going to be here and we're gone in an instant. But the time is coming and that's the only thing that's withholding all of this satanic activity to bubble up a million times over is the restrainer and that is the Holy Spirit. So take heart. We are in James chapter 2. We'll be finishing off this chapter this morning. Uh, we're in verses 14 down through 26. And this message is simply entitled, Faith Without Works is Dead. Yes, I said it. That's what the Bible says. Faith without works is dead. So stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and read our text this morning. And we'll break down what all this actually means and how we can apply it to our lives. So it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have good works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by works, by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? As for the body, apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let us pray. <sighs> Yahweh, Lord, we come before you and, and we just ask that you would intercede now or that you would send the anointing upon us that we would be able to rightly divide your word. Lord, would you break down any barriers that would hinder your word from going forth? I pray that your word would land in fertile soil, that our hearts would be a flesh soft, ready, eager to receive your word. May we not let our intellectual understanding get in the way of what you have for us this morning. Father, may you supernaturally impart your word in such a way that it evokes us to move. 
to act. For you say that faith is living and active. So again, Lord, we just thank you. And we praise you for the living, active faith of your son, Jesus Christ, that allowed him to lay his life down and take it back up for our sake. We thank you and we praise you. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. Last week, great message. We were reminded that we must love our neighbors as ourselves. We must. We must. The message that is being brought this morning is in the same vein. We can't sit here and say, well, who's my neighbor? (laughs) Being a smart aleck about it, right? Your neighbor is any person that you come in contact with in the world. That's your neighbor. It's people. We're all created in the moral image of God and in his likeness. And so we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, Husbands, you know how that goes. It's not an easy thing, but with the Holy Spirit, you can do it. You can learn to love your wife like Christ loves the church, and she can be sanctified through the love, through the Holy Spirit that he imparts to you. But we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, care for our neighbors as we would care for our own bodies, consider our neighbors as important as we are. Just there was a gentleman this morning in, you know, nice Lexus and pulled up and it's like, all right, sitting there for a while. Then I started hearing metal. It's like, oh, he got a flat tire. And, you know, I'm having a donut and I'm talking to my wife and uh, the Lord's just putting it on my heart. Go out there. Go out there. Talk to the man. And so, you know, offer assistance. So I went out there and I said, uh, excuse me, sir, do you need any help? Seemed like he had it all together. He said, no, thank you. I'm fine. And I said, would you like some bottled waters? He had two other people in the car. He said, no, I'm fine. I said, okay, God bless you. <laughs> he said, God bless you. I walked away, came back in the room. But it's that same idea, right? Your neighbor, do they need assistance? Make yourself available, right? Make yourself available when you're in a healthy place. (laughs) I'm not telling you to extend yourself when you can't barely keep your own self together in the Lord. But what I'm saying is we should grow and mature in a way where we are able to see other people. And as Jesus, he looked and he saw people and he had compassion upon them. We should have that same compassion when we see people. It should break our hearts that we see people rejecting the word. It's not for us to say they're reprobate. It should break our hearts that people are, it seems like wholesale saying, I don't want God. I don't want your way. I don't want Jesus. I'm going to say who God is. That should break our hearts. We should have a burden for people because their utter destination is apart from him in eternity in hell. Because Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through Him. And so there should be a heavy burden on our hearts to love our neighbor as ourself. We also learned last week that the measure of mercy that we extend to others, that same measure is going to be extended to us. So if we're merciless people, and that should never be said as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, then best be sure when you need mercy, you're not going to receive any. (laughs) But if you are merciful, full of compassion for people in your time of need, you will be extended that same measure of mercy. Look at we all deserve hell. We all deserve to be apart from the Lord God Almighty for eternity because wickedness is bound up in us. Remember, in the days of Noah, he said continually 
Even in the man's thoughts, continually just wickedness, nothing good, no thought of any good. But then yet he saw and found, Noah found favor in God's eyes. And we must understand Noah is far from perfect. But the fact that his heart was bent towards God. That's why we're all here. <laughs> we would have been all, we would have never even been created had it not been for God finding, you know, in Noah, okay, let's go it again, round two. We'll try this thing again. So we need to be those that extend that kind of mercy. We also must remember that our justification in Jesus Christ is marked by a living and active faith. And that's what leads us to our passage of Scripture this morning. Make no mistake about it. There will be spiritual markings of your growth in Christ. There has to be. I mean, there, you, cannot, you cannot not have that. <laughs> this is a part of your maturation, my maturation in sanctification, walking with the Lord as we live this lifestyle. We have several main points. And the first one is this. Simply put, faith without works is a dead faith. You see, many times people claim I'm Christian. I am a Christian. We live in a culture today where that's just a title. Again, the cross on someone's neck, and I'm not trying to offend anybody if you wear a cross, but it's become like a, like a lucky charm. It's not about the jewelry, but it's about the message of the cross. I started this sermon talking about the cross is a stumbling block to the Jews. The Jewish people still look to the cross as a stumbling block. You know the swastika that the Nazis used? I can't, I can't say it in Hebrew with a term for it, but it basically breaks down to the Jewish people look at that as a cross with a hook. They don't see that as other people see it. And, and, and the manner in how the cross was used, we know if you do any studying on the Crusades, Okay, you look at a lot of the Middle Eastern people, Muslims. They don't call Christians Christians. They call Christians crusaders. You know why they call Christians crusaders? Because they want Christians to remember all of the wrong that was done back in the day and all the people that got slaughtered for the sake of the cross. But that was a twisted thing and it wasn't right. It wasn't right. See, we have to unearth all of this information from history past to understand where we're at today. But the Bible says that the cross is a stumbling block to the Jew and it's foolishness to the Gentile, to the Greek. The Greek look at it and they're like, we got a million gods. What are you talking about? This guy hanging on a tree is going to save my soul and <laughs> I need to repent for my sins. You see, with that, when people just proclaim they're Christians, there must be more than that. It must be more than a proclamation with a mouth that says, I am a Christian. Many say that they are saved and they believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I am not one. I don't have the authority or the power to say anyone's saved or not saved. But there's going to be spiritual fruit accompanied with your walk. There just is. The Holy Spirit is going to give you discernment. And maybe those people are still seeking the Lord and they're not saved yet. Okay, that's not for me to, 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 to make a final call on. But we are called to make judgment calls. Make no mistake about it, saint. You are called to make judgment calls. You see, we need to be able to inspect not only our lives, but the lives of others. And many times, unfortunately, we come to realize that there's no healthy spiritual fruit. First John chapter, uh, First John chapter 1 verse 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. 
but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Right? See, so we, we, may, we must not be deceived. We must actually take the time and consider what's going before us. Don't be someone who's just so enamored by the way someone talks. I was given a book the other day. And, uh, okay, it said, holy moments. I'm like, okay, you know, this this person wanted to bless me and some other people with a book. Okay, so I took it home, and and I thumbed through the book. I looked at the, 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 you know, the, 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 the beginning. I looked at the end. I looked at the back. Book didn't say nothing about Jesus Christ. Book didn't have any scripture references, said the author was a motivational speaker, an entrepreneur, yada, yada, yada. I told my wife, give me that book, throwing it in the trash. I don't want that demonic propaganda in my home. It said holy moments. But you see, if you're and I am not constantly walking with Christ, constantly in the word, being filled every day, being nourished spiritually with the word. We're going to see something like that and we're going to take it at face value and say, oh, well, this person was kind. They were nice. They were thinking of me. They were trying to bless me. We must understand, church, that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And many have gone after that false light. And they think that they're sincerely doing the right thing. You know, that's what all secret societies are about. The Luciferians and what they, the Freemasons became and all this nonsense with the Illuminati and all that. They think they're doing the right thing in the name of saving humanity. And they say global warming and we need to come together and we need a one world government. You know that Europe is so desperate for a leader right now. They even back in the day, even 20 years ago. Talking about, we don't care if he's a god or he's a devil. We want one person. They're tired of all of this governments. They want one. You see, this is fulfilling prophecy. Just look. You see, it's plain as day. Things are so ready to pop off. And as I alluded to earlier, it's only because the restrainer, it's only because the Holy Spirit is still in the world because the Lord is waiting for the last Gentile to be saved. Once the final Gentiles say, that's it, we're raptured out of here, and the, tribula- the great tribulation is going to begin, and that's for Israel. <laughs> that's for Israel. You don't want to be a Gentile being here during the tribulation. We're gone. There is no post-trib, mid-trib. This ain't no how you want your steak. Well done, medium rare or rare. No. Christ died once and for all for our sins. I'm kind of getting off topic, but it all is pointing to the same thing. We just have to be aware of these things, church. And it starts with discerning the Spirit to ensure that we are being led by the Holy Spirit and not a demonic, unclean spirit. This is essentially what is going on with faith and works. You see, faith and works are two different sides of the same coin. The reality is this. We we can't rely on God's promises without obeying his commands. They go hand in hand. And, and this is exactly where faith being accompanied by works comes into play. If we truly have been born again, and if we truly are a new creation in Jesus Christ, our faith will be living and it will display good works. 
It will. It's just a supernatural byproduct of being saved and walking with Jesus. It's like the living water that bubbles up within you. It has to come out. You can't contain it. You can't contain it. It it comes out. Meaning the desires of our hearts will slowly begin to change. We will no longer be after fulfilling the desires we once had. You know, our desires that were earthly, that were selfish, that were fleshly, that were carnal, that were sensual. All the things that you can see, touch, taste, all that. We're not going to be wrapped up in that. That's not going to have a grip on us. Instead, we will begin to develop within us holy desires, desires that are set apart for God's goodness, things that are pleasant and pleasing to the Lord. And he will grant us love, wisdom, strength, his anointing and the abilities to accomplish these goals. This is what it truly means when the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We hear it. We we got it on coffee mugs. But do we really understand what it means? I can do all things that honor and glorify Christ who strengthens me. Not I can win a football game. (laughs) That's not what it's about. You see what I'm saying? We, We twist and contort and manipulate the word into whatever we want it to be to fashion it to our liking. And that is not living the Christian life, church. The Christian life is saying, I am before you naked And let your will be done. You are the potter. I am the clay. Make your will be done in my life. That takes a great measure of courage. But when you lose yourself in Christ, you gain yourself. He'll never bless things when we come to him with stuff and say, Lord, this is my plan. Bless it. What? what, Why? My ways are so much greater than yours. Why will I bless this? Let me rearrange and rework your whole situation and watch you give me the glory. Lord speaking to us when we allow him to do that work in our lives. But we have to trust. Amen. A faith that we claim that is devoid of works is dead. Simply put, that's that's not my words. That's what the word of God says. The second main point is this. A verbal profession of faith is not enough because even the demons believe. You see, it's not enough to simply agree with certain facts about God. And that's where some some people are at. And Lord willing, they are part of the remnant and they are called out of the world and they will get there and they will be saved before they breathe their last breath. But this is where some people are. They just simply agree with some of the facts. I deal with that with some people, a certain gentleman that I witness to at work all the time. And, and he, you know, he's a very intelligent man. But it's his intelligence that's causing him to, to, to not trust. He, he wants all this proof and he tries to intellectually break down. Everything. And brother, you just got to believe. You just got to trust, man. You got to allow the Holy Spirit to show you and convict you and show you the reality of what. It's not all this, this, you know. Why, why do they use the term him for God? You know, and you get in, you can get off into all kind of theological discussion. And, and you know, I, I have discussed that with him. But it, it's we can't just simply agree. It's not enough. It's not even enough to claim to be a believer. <laughs> Saving living faith is trusting in Jesus Christ, Christ, excuse me, which naturally results in certain actions. It means that. We begin to live out 
the truth of the gospel in our everyday decisions. It means Jesus literally becomes our life. You see, if we don't have a hunger and a thirst for wanting Jesus to be our all in all, I'm just I'm not saying we're not saved. What I'm saying is we're not mature. (laughs) We're not mature. We're still on the milk. And there got to come a point where you start eating the meat of the word and your desire is like, Lord, I want you to be my portion. I want my life to be revolving around Jesus Christ. And I don't care what anybody says outside of here. I don't care if people say I'm a kook. I don't I mean, think about Noah. They never saw rain. They thought this man was out of his mind. But I guarantee you when that ark closed, they weren't thinking that they're drowning to death. And they're, they're unfortunately having to reap the consequences of their actions because they denied God. His attributes are revealed through all of the invisible qualities of this earth that he's created. So we are without excuse. Verse 19 is probably the strongest statement in scripture on the difference between knowing about God and trusting in God. The key is saving faith. We must understand knowledge is not the same as trust or obedience or saving faith. We can have knowledge of God. That's what I was alluding to when, when I started this sermon. It's like, I want, to, I want to experience God's presence. I want to know him intimately. I, I just don't want to be reciting verses. Because we can be reciting the word of God, but have no relationship whatsoever. And we deceive ourselves into believing that we're actually walking close with him when we're not. You see, James says, even the demons believe that God is one and they shudder in fear of him. But it's not enough to agree that the thing is actually true. Because the demons do the same thing and they are clearly not saved. They're demons. They're fallen angels. They're fallen. But they acknowledge. Think about Legion in the graveyard. Don't don't send us. Don't send us to the swine. We're not ready to go to the pit. They acknowledge that he is the Christ, that he is Yeshua HaMashiach, is the Messiah, the Jewish king of Israel. But they didn't want to go. So they said, send us in the pigs. You see, real faith in God's son, Jesus Christ, personally responds to that truth with trust and obedience. You can be assured that you are living a life of active faith if you are trusting in obedience to Jesus Christ daily. I'm not saying perfect, but there's got to be growth. There's got to be maturity. You've got to be able to see, man, I'm better off now than I was last year. I'm not talking circumstantially. Your circumstances may be worse this time this year than they were last year. But if your walk and your security and your hope and your livelihood is more and more in Christ, then I guarantee you you have a living and active faith. And it's not about your circumstances. You see, your circumstances can be junk, but that does not determine where you are in Christ and where he's taking you and I. You see, we have to keep our eyes fixed on him. So many times we're so battered and berated and beat down by our circumstances that we gauge our effectiveness and we gauge gauge our value based on our circumstances. And that's not a good thing. And the same thing goes for when things are well. 
many people have a lot of monetary stuff and, and, and physical stuff and they're not blessed. <laughs> they're really not. They think they are because they got a lot of stuff. But the stuff doesn't mean you're blessed. It's the joy. It's the peace. It's the love. It, it, it's the understanding that how the Lord reveals things to you. It's the conviction that you feel when you don't do the right thing. <laughs> that, 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 that's the presence of the Lord heavy upon your life. That's the anointing that this world cannot offer you and I. Dead faith is not a saving faith. You see, the danger of this kind of condition is that self-assured religious people can spend their entire lives in simple agreement without ever crossing over to true and living faith. It's like I tell you, church, every week, I'm glad that the Lord calls you here. I'm glad that the Lord leads you to his house, to the church house. But attendance here, that's not what it's about. That's not, that's not saving anybody, right? That's not saving anybody. For me, preaching a sermon, that's not saving me. I, I want to live out the sermon. This is the easiest part of what I'm called to do. <laughs> he's, given me, you know, he's given me physical gifts and the oracle is speaking. This comes naturally. It's a God-given gift. It's applying. It's the application of living this out day to day. It's about living it out when you don't feel it, but you know what it is to be obedient. That's, as J. Vernon McGee would always say, where the rubber meets the road. That's where effectiveness comes in. And we want that in our lives. Amen. When we are truly saved, we profess with our mouths what has already happened in our hearts. We claim it because it's, it's a real thing. This is not a popularity contest. We don't gain anything from saying we trust and believe in Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not like you know, they're giving you a raise at work. This world is becoming more anti-Christian by the moment. There are groups out there that claim their equal rights, but yet they bash on Christians. It's like a gang. It's like a gang. And they have a mob mentality, and they get together, and they smash on people that say there's one God, that marriage is between one man and one woman for life, that you can't change the inner workings of your being, and that a man with a beard wearing a skirt is not right. There are right and wrongs. I don't care what anybody says. I care what the Bible says. The Word of God says that He fearfully and wonderfully created every person in their mother's womb and He knew them before the beginning of time, before the foundations of the earth. If the boy comes out a boy, it's a boy. I'm not getting political. I'm, I'm getting biblical. If the girl comes out a girl, it's a girl. But you see, they're pushing and pumping stuff that is satanic in its core and they're trying to draw these young children into that. The fact that the UN has this, I don't even want to get it, this comprehensive sex, sex, sex education. What in the world are you talking about? Comprehensive sex education. And they're pushing stuff that is por pornographic in nature. And they're shoving it down these children's throats. That's not okay. They want to start it as young as kindergarten. They're doing it in starting in fifth grade. And in Europe, they're starting as young as second grade. Well, just read, read, find out the information. They got rid of a bunch of books in Florida that said, no, man, you're not doing that. 
our liberal state, they gladly, oh, bring it in. You see, so we have to, we have to have a living faith. And that living faith is going to cause you to be scrutinized and it's going to cause you to be ostracized when you stand up for the truth. It just is, church. You're going to have to have hard conversations with your family members who don't agree. Oh, no, just do what you want. <laughs> yeah, the Bible says everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Where did that land them? No, we do what's right in the eyes of God, in the sight of God. Everybody knows men love the darkness. Women, too. When they say men, they mean women, too. <laughs> People love the darkness. But the light of Christ exposes the darkness for what it is. The sad thing is many people are so ashamed and afraid that they won't let Christ come in and shine the light on their their dirty deeds so they can get cleaned up. They just think he's a wrathful, vengeful God. I have a righteous indignation for people that say the God of the Old Testament is wrathful, but the God of the New Testament is love. No, the God of the Old Testament was all love. Why do, you, why do you think he, 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 gave, he gave the, he, 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 he made the covenant with Abraham? Because he's a loving God. He's a just God. And that's why he has to deal with sin the way he has to deal with sin. But he's the same God in the Old and New Testament. That kind of lies from the pit of hell. Don't be deceived, church. There's people that want to teach that nowadays. <laughs> oh, I just read the New Testament and the Old Testament. Really? First of all, the word Bible is not even in the Bible. So if you really want to get deep into it, we got to omit this whole English language and get back to the root. Start tracing back the Hebrew, go to the Greek, all that good stuff. It's so, I mean, that, that's just real. You know, I'm just saying we fight on so much silly stuff and it should never be so. The third main point is this. A person is justified by works, not faith alone. This is a similar point as the last one. You see, but we must be very careful to seek the Lord to receive his full counsel on doctrinal points. If heard the wrong way, someone could easily misinterpret what I'm saying right now and think to themselves, oh, we're justified by by works. But that's completely incorrect. I didn't say that. The text says we are justified by works, not faith alone. What does that mean? In a nutshell, it means our justification is is not brought about by a mere verbal confession. That's why the whole raise your hand, sit in the pew, like that's cool and all, but that doesn't guarantee that anybody's saved. That's the same thing as, well, my grandpappy was saved, so I'm saved. That don't mean you're saved. You got to walk out your faith in fear and trembling before the Lord. That is going to show whether or not you're saved. You know, we, 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 you can't make Christianity into a Happy Meal. <laughs> you can't. It's not a drive through and I get my Happy Meal and all, I get my, you know, I got my baptismal, you know, certificate. And, and no, it's so much deeper than that, man. It, it is. It's so much deeper than that. There's more to it than just simple lip service. I get it. God does all the work. He saves and justifies us 100%. We have no part in that, right? We are saved by grace through faith so that no one may boast. Now, when our response to God's conviction and saving grace is correct, there will be a supernatural lasting change within us. There just will be. There's no way around it. You will not be the same person you used to be. You know, the dude that used to do X, Y, and Z, the girl that used to do X, Y, and Z, that's not you anymore if you've truly been, uh, a new, become a new creation in Christ. 
It's not merely our words that change, but the things that we do change us. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Take action. That is a sign of your direct salvation and your forgiveness in Christ is you respond you respond by a changed life in Christ, not by what you do, by how it's done in you through the supernatural act of the Holy Spirit. Again, a living faith will be a company and justified alone with good works. That's living faith. All right, so let's look at these verses now. First one, 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So we see this first statement, what does it profit? What does it profit? James understood that it is impossible for someone to genuinely be saved if they claim to have a faith, but there's no works accompanied with that faith. You see, but someone could also say they have faith, but they fail to show good works. So the question is valid. Can that kind of faith save a person? Can it? You see, many today make the same claim. They say, I have faith. How many times have you heard someone say, I'm spiritual? That's, that's a common one now. That, well, I, I'm, you know, well, I'm not religious. I, I'm spiritual. <laughs> Yet again, the, the question remains, does that kind of faith save a person from an eternity in hell? Because that's what we're talking about. The end all goal is that someone's soul gets saved so that they are with Jesus Christ in heaven for eternity, not in hell with Satan and his demons for eternity. That, that's the, that's the, we want to stay away from hell and, and see people saved and go to heaven. And that, and the answer to that question is, no, that, that kind of faith absolutely does not save. It can never save a soul. We see the next statement. It says, someone says he has faith but does not have works. Just a little contextual background that will help us understand, as this was written back then, James wrote to Christians from a Jewish background. So these are people that grew up with the Torah, they grew up with the regimen of the law, right? And they discovered the glory of salvation by faith. They were finally freed from a, from, from a work-based theology, even today. The, 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 the Jews, the chosen people, they're still, many of them, it's very ritualistic. It's very, they don't see, the, that's why, again, the cross is a stumbling block to them because they don't see their Messiah hanging on a tree for their way to be saved. They're going to do what they do and they are going to have a part to play in their salvation. That's what they truly believe. That's what they truly believe. Until the time comes when they will see their Messiah come and then they will, in much agony, Repent for what they have done, and they will be saved. That remnant will be saved. You see, but these, the Jewish people back then, they went from such an extreme. They went from an extreme of it's all work-based to now works don't matter at all. <laughs> Speaking in, in the context of James' time when he wrote this, that's what they were going through. They're like, well, works don't count at all. I have faith. Can that faith save him? Again, James did not contradict the Apostle Paul who insisted that we are saved not of works. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, 
not a result of works so that no one may boast. And even in that, that's just great. You know, that's just great to understand that. It's a gift from God. It's a miracle from God that, that we're saved by grace through faith. The fact that you responded to that call upon your life. And you say, yes, Lord, save me. And he does this mighty work in you. You see, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. But saving faith will have works accompanying it. The application is this. If we truly have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, we will become a new creation in him. That means our former hearts of stone are broken and we are now given soft hearts of flesh, spiritually speaking. Meaning the desires of our hearts are going to change. He's going to change the desires of our hearts. And when we are in conflict, we are going to, we'll go through that struggle. We'll be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in that mode. I don't want to fall into agreement with those things because I'm a new creation in Christ. And you'll find yourself, right? The new nature and the old nature wrestle constantly. We all go through. We can all attest to that. I'm sure you went through it many times this week. Where that old sinful nature of the first Adam, you have to suppress it. Get down. No, I'm not coming into agreement with that. I'm saying yes to my new nature in Jesus Christ. We will desire to live out the things of God. You see, if you claim, if I claim to be saved and at the same time you and I find it easy to sin and enjoy it, Meaning, if we don't grieve over the sin in our own lives, I would seriously question whether or not you and I are truly saved. If you can sin and just enjoy it and it rolls off your back like water off a duck's back, you're probably not saved. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> I mean, because you're going to be grieved so hard. I don't even care if you do it for a season. You do it for a week, three weeks. By, the, by week three, shoot, for some of us in here, by, by hour three, oh, you're going to be pierced. Because you're grieving the Holy Spirit. As the saying goes, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. It has good works with it. That's, just, that's what the Word of God, that's what I infer through the Holy Spirit is what the Word of God is saying. The reality is works prove the character of our faith. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mean, is it not any clearer than that? He says that the Lord created good works. He created that beforehand. Before the foundations of the world, right? Because he's outside of space and time. He's not bound by time. And he, he knew when you were going to get saved. And he's like, man, I, I got all this plan for them <laughs> to walk in it. To walk in it. He also wrote Titus chapter 3, verse 8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to what? Good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So you see, good works are what they are. They're good. It's a good thing. It's a righteous thing. It's an honorable thing. It's a noble thing in the Lord to, to, to produce good works. You see, the Lord again tells us a true saved and changed heart will produce these things. Why? 
Why? Because our desire to honor, obey, and serve God means that we love him equals we love people, equals good works. Because how, how do you do good works for an invisible God? I mean, you can't, right? You got to tangibly live out your faith amongst people. Again, it goes back to that saying, you can't say, I can't say I, I love God, but I don't love people. Oh, I, I pastor a church, but I don't engage with none of the people. What? You just stand at the pulpit and teach? What kind of church is that? You know, we are to be engaged in one another's lives. That's how we show. We serve people. It's a good work produced by the love of Jesus Christ himself within us. Therefore, there is this continuous cycle of faith and good works that cannot be separated. It just, again, it's two sides of the same coin. You cannot separate the two. All right, 15 through 17, it says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, here's, a, here's an actual physical example of this, <laughs> and, and they're lacking daily food, and, and, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving him giving them the things needed for the body. What, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay, so we see. I mean, it's, you're sensible people, right? This is not rocket science. It's pretty straightforward, right? If we fail in the most simple good works towards a brother or sister in need, this demonstrates that we don't have a living faith. It is. It just, it just is what it is. And I get it, we fail, but I'm talking about a continuous, like the Lord continues to put people in front of your path, and you're like, eh, eh, eh. It's like there's a problem there, you know. It's like by, by, by the third time that, you know, he puts someone in front of your path, you should get it, I should get it. It's like, okay, let me engage with this person. <laughs> let me, let me, let me just, you know, I, I can loosen up my schedule. <laughs> the Lord is providential. He's sovereign. If he wants you to be a blessing to someone, be a blessing. Amen? We can only be saved by a living faith in Jesus Christ. You see, nakedness and hunger are two basic fundamental needs of all people. Obviously, that's because of the fall. <laughs> because Adam and Eve, they weren't ashamed. There was a glory that was shown amongst them that they didn't even trip off being naked. But once they ate of that fruit that they weren't supposed to, now sowed the fig leaves. But anyways... You know, um, in humanity, when, 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 when people are destitute, when they don't have the physical capability to do things that they need to do, when they're in need, nakedness and hunger, these are basic fundamental needs of all people. And Christians are to meet these needs in others as our needs has, have also been met by the Lord. This is the same train of thought that Daniel touched on last week when he taught about the mercy that we show others will inevitably be extended to us. Just look at the biblical examples of basic needs of people being met by the Lord. And this is what we should follow after. Since the Lord has done it for us, we should do it for other people. Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 says, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear. So where did it come from? It came from the Lord, right? The Lord provided it for Jacob. Then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
he will he not much more clothe you, O of little faith? So we see again the Lord showing us he provides for us what we need. Why would we not do the same for other people? Then also in First Timothy chapter six, verse eight. But if we have food and clothing, will uh, with these will we be content? All right. So we need to to tangibly share this as the Lord has shown it to us. He meets our very basic needs. And when the Lord calls you and I to do so and others, we are to do that as well. We are to extend the blessing and be a gift to those around us that need. Obviously, starting within the church first and then anybody else you come into contact with. Be warmed and filled. Just think about it. How wrong this is. (laughs) This statement. (laughs) A person needs something. And we say, go in peace. (laughs) Be warmed and filled. Be warmed and filled, bro. Can you can you take me to the loop so I can get a cup of coffee to be warm? <laughs> can you hook me up with something so I can be filled? Are you just gonna tell me be warmed and filled? There was a man a couple weeks ago, and you know we're wrapping up. I might have told this story last or a couple weeks ago, but it pertains to this text. And he came up, and I'm loading the car, and he like. I'm trying to get to San Jose. I, I need four dollars, and and I keep money in my wallet. I keep twenty. I keep a few twenty dollar bills in in my wallet just for that, you know, just for when I come in across somebody. I've, I'm I've, the Lord's already dealt with me with all that. I've done with the whole. What are they going to do with the money? You know what? That's not that's not on me. You use it for something you ain't supposed to use it to. Be sure your sin will find you out. But he asked me for the money. I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> he asked me about my son. He asked me about me. Oh, he's was, was a Muslim man. He said his name was Muhammad something. I said, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I said, shalom. <laughs> and uh, he said, God bless you, you know, and went on his way. And I gave him the $20 bill. And, you know, it's just the point of someone in need. What does the text say? I'm hungry. Well, give me food to eat. What did Jesus say? Man, you're going to be blessed because I came to you and said, man, I'm hungry and you fed me. It's also going to be wrong when people say they come to you with the same thing. We say, oh, yeah. Jesus is like, man, I came to you, bro. You didn't do nothing for me. <laughs> Remember, what, what is it? Love your neighbor as what? Yourself, right? You see the full circle on this? So then when we have the resource, I'm not saying make yourself go broke. But even in that, if the Lord calls you to do that, he's going to give it back tenfold. Right? Press down, shaking together, cup running over. <laughs> but we are to act. It's of action that we do. We're not just to tell them, go in peace. That's actually the sin of omission. We know that, right? To, to, to be drawn in and to be shown what to do, but we clearly don't do it. We're, we're committing the sin of omission. To know what we should have done, to be given the opportunity, but to do nothing about it. And then our text goes on to say, what does that actually profit? You see, real faith and the works that accompany it are not made up only of spiritual things, but they also have a concern for the most basic needs, such as the need for comfort, clothing, and food. And, 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 that, and we have to never forget that. The application is this. When the need arises, we should sometimes pray less and simply do what needs to be done. Sometimes you don't got to sit on your knees for 20 minutes in prayer. It's like the Holy Spirit quickens you and you're like, I know exactly what I need to do. <laughs> It just take for any time when you're in an argument with somebody or you've had a bout with somebody and you know you need to be right with them. You don't got to pray about it. 
get on the phone, get on the horn, go to that person's house, get right with them. And then the peace of the Lord comes back and you're like, oh, I feel good again. <laughs> Even if they don't receive it, the, the forgiveness is really for you. So you don't harbor that hate and you don't harbor that bitterness and it doesn't eat away at the core of your being. You're like, I can live freely because I know I've did everything in my power possible to live at peace with all men. It says, next we see, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. This is the first time that James speaks of a dead faith. You see, faith alone saves us, but it must be an actual living faith. We can tell if faith is alive by seeing if it is accompanied by works. If there's no works, then it's dead. Again, please don't get me wrong. I I never said works save us. But there are works that accompany our living faith. We must learn to become great fruit inspectors. Amen? First within our own lives and then within the lives of others. Not so we could be, you know, running around pointing people's stuff out, but you and I have to be aware. Because a lot of people are being led astray because they're being led by, by people that are fruitless and they just, because they're not in the Word, because they don't have a close, tight knit relationship with Jesus Christ. They're just going along their merry way and they're being led astray by by people that have no business doing what they're doing. Again, there are people that disguise themselves uh, as ministers of light, which are workers of iniquity because they're Satan's and they're not Jesus Christ's. So we have to be aware of this church. A living faith is simply real faith and it is born out of God's love. If we really believe something, we will follow through and act upon it. If we really put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, we will care for the naked and the destitute. Why? Because he called us to do so. All right, we're going to go to verses 18 and 19. And it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Some might try to say that some have the gift of works while others have the gift of faith. Again, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You know, it's, it, it, some people, it's fine. You know, you have the gift of works, but, but I got the gift of faith. That's not, that's not biblical. <laughs> There's nowhere in the scripture where I see that. And James saw it obviously the same thing because he will not allow this kind of thinking. Real faith will be demonstrated by works. Again, he says, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. The appeal of James is clear and logical here, church. We can't see someone's faith, but we can see their works. You can't see the faith. I can say I got faith all day, but if I'm living like hell, what? You know, you got to be able to see. It's like it's tangible. No, I see that that person is walking circumspectly. They are walking in an upright fashion. They are walking after Christ. They are living a righteous and holy life because I see it and how they do what they do and how they engage with people. You will see the fruit. You will see it. And it's all because we're connected to Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with us. Apart from the vine, we can do nothing. But in the vine, connected to the vine of Jesus Christ, we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Amen? Mm -hmm. The application is this. 
The fallacy of faith without works is demonstrated by, again, demons. <laughs> he said, he said, you do good to know that God is one, but even the demons believe and they shudder. The demons believe in the sense that they acknowledge that God exists, but this kind of faith does nothing for demons because it isn't a real faith that is proved by the fact, and it's proved by the fact that there's not works that accompany them. They, 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 they are iniquities of lawlessness. They work lawlessness. They, they, they don't honor the Lord. They don't humble themselves before God, and yet they stand in opposition of Jesus Christ. So you see, just because someone says, I'm a believer, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are. We will see in time. We will see in time. All right, 20 and 24, it says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Okay, this is great because now we get a great demonstration from the Old Testament that shows that the character of living faith, what it looks like, it shows that a faith that is not accompanied with works is a dead faith that cannot save anyone. We see this statement, was not Abraham our father justified when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? We all know the account of this, right? Abraham was justified because it was an action. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 says, And he believed the Lord, and he counted, to him, he counted it to him as righteousness. In his obedience to offering Isaac up, that act demonstrated that he really did trust in God. And this is a side note, but I think it's worth sharing. In order to truly move forward in the things of God, we must literally, church, hand over everything, our whole lives, what we cherish the most to God's care. We must. When we hold things back, we hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's that whole, again, that whole, that whole picture of being a blank canvas or, or being on the potter's wheel. We have to give up everything. And, and for some of us, that's a very scary thing. But you know what? All of us giving up to God is far better than 90% of ourselves giving up to God and we hold 10% back because we think we're going to protect it. It's like, no, he has to be your portion all in all. He has to be my portion all in all. That's something that I've been coming into understanding more and more in these last few months is that I, I, I want my life to be enveloped by Jesus Christ. He has to be my everything. I don't come to him with plans. I just say, Lord, what, what do you want to do? And he usually shows me. And sometimes he just says, be still. That's it. Just be still. You're thinking too much, man. You're trying to do too much. Chill out, man. Meditate on me. Let me move. Saying that you want to experience me, be still. You'll experience me. Try it. If you haven't already, be still before the Lord and you will see him move in a mighty way. You see, the Bible is clear that anyone who holds on to his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for the sake of Jesus Christ will find it. We cannot come to God with our own plans, hoping he will bless them. As I just said, we must come with open arms, allowing him to do the work that only he can, he can do. We must understand that Abraham actually did offer Isaac his son on the altar. 
Because even though the angel stopped him from actually killing his son, he offered Isaac in his firm resolution and intentions. He would have surely completed the task had God not stopped him. He would have killed Isaac. He really would have. Because he gave everything. He said, I give it all back. And that's what, I don't know what the worship song is. I'm sure Michelle knows. But it's like, you know, every blessing that you give, I give it back. <laughs> I give it back to you, Lord. And that's what we should do. Because that's how you keep that that pattern flowing it's like lord you give and i give back you give and i give back it's all about that because again we trust him we trust that he's god and he knows what's best for us again faith was working together with his works and by works his faith was made perfect faith and works cooperated perfectly together in abraham if he never had believed god he could have never done the good work of obedience when asked to offer up isaac think about your own life how can you perform the things the Lord wants you to do if, you haven't, if you're not already sold out to him wholeheartedly? And that's what we have to do, church. This is what made his faith complete. It was the obedience of works accompanied with the faith. The application is this. Faith cannot exist without being active in works of righteousness. And again, we see that it says that a man is justified by works, not by faith alone. The faith only that will not justify a man is faith that is without works, a dead faith. But true faith, a living faith shown to be true by good works alone will alone justify, excuse me. Works of righteousness must accompany a genuine faith because genuine faith is always connected with regeneration, being born again, becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. But how can you and I be ambassadors of him, of him if righteous works don't flow from within us? And how can righteous works flow from within us unless we are reconciled to him? Do you, do you see the pattern? Do you see that connection? If there is no evidence of a new life, then there was no genuine saving faith to begin with. So we see the evidence of this. And I'll quickly get through these last two verses as we're coming to the end of our time, 25 and 26. And it says, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, also faith apart from works is dead. Okay, this is really good to understand because here James used two different living examples, right, of living faith. Abraham, a father of the Jews, and Rahab, who was a Gentile. Also understand that Christ comes through that line, so it's super crazy when you really wig out and nerd out on it. I know Daniel knows all about that. <laughs> this shows that a living faith affects both Jew and Gentiles. You see, though the Jews are the Lord's chosen people, they still must demonstrate a living faith. Bloodlines alone are not enough to claim salvation. The same is true for Gentiles. Just because you grew up in a Christian home and your parents are saved doesn't mean that salvation automatically translates to the children. Now, that's a good starting point, 
the opportunity for that is very readily available, especially if the parents raise the children up in the ways of God. But the children are accountable for their own salvation in response to Christ once they reach the age of accountability. Everyone must develop their own living faith. And now we see this last part that I'll mention, and then um, Isaiah and and, uh, Michelle can come up. Rahab demonstrated her trust in God, in the God of Israel, by hiding the spies and seeking salvation from their God. The application is simply this. Her faith was shown to be living faith because it actually did something. Her belief in the God of Israel would not have saved her had she not done something about it. Question for us to ponder today, church. What are you doing because of your faith in Jesus Christ today? What are you doing? Are there, are there things that you can point to that say, this is my faith. This is evidence of faith in Christ. And I can show you. You see, the lesson from Abraham is clear. If we believe in God, we will do what he tells us to do. The lesson from Rahab is also clear. If we believe in God, we will help his people even when it costs us something. For as the body is without the spirit and it's dead, so faith without works is also dead. As much as you can have a body with no life, so you can have a faith with no life and a faith without works is a dead faith, unable to save. I'll end with this. Think of an apple tree, right? Where's the life of the tree? It's in the roots, right? It's in the roots underneath the bark of the tree, of the trunk of the tree. The life is not in the apples. The fruit just, it displays it in season. But if the tree is alive, it will produce apples in that season. May we be those who are truly grafted into the vine of Jesus Christ. And that in due season, we will reap a harvest of healthy spiritual fruit for his kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for just this timely reminder of a living faith is active and alive. It's something that's tangible. It's something that we can see through what we do and how we treat people and how we serve people and how we humble ourselves before you and before men, how we don't look to get an upper hand or an edge, or but we live in humility. Father, may that be said of us today. Would you give us the supernatural ability to have a living and active faith? May we not be satisfied with just the mere repetition of words, but may we be called and drawn to action so that we truly can be called children of the Most High. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.